The time is now. Volume 5, Episode 92. This is Employment Law Now. I am Mike Schmidt, your host of this podcast and the Vice Chair of the Labor and Employment Department at Cozen O'Connor. What is one of the things that provide the most value to you as listeners of this podcast? Well, I like to think that it's not just having us talk about what has happened, what legislation has been enacted. But really, what is about to happen? What may be coming down the pike just a little bit that may have significant impact on your organizations and your lives so that you can plan for what may take place sometime down the road, perhaps even offer comments and participate in the legislative process? That's the focus of today's episode. The Protecting the Right to Organize Act, also known as the PRO Act, is a significant piece of legislation that was introduced in the U.S. House of Representatives shortly after President Biden's inauguration earlier this year, 2021. It's not exactly enacted law yet, but it covers such a broad range of employment law and labor law issues that will have an impact really on everybody. It's so significant that even though it has not been passed yet, and even though we may not be that close to it passing yet, it's something that needs to be on all of your radars and something that I wanted to talk about today. To do that, I am bringing back onto the podcast a very special guest, Evan Armstrong, who is the Vice President for Workforce at RILA, which is the Retail Industry Leaders Association, R-I-L-A. I'm going to let him tell you a little bit more or remind you a little bit more about what he does. But the great thing about Evan is, and I may be dating myself just a little bit here, but for those of you who watch Saturday Night Live, and I know that's a dwindling number of you, I think, but going back some years, they had these great episodes where they were touting the five-timers and the ten-timers. Those hosts who have been repeated hosts of Saturday Night Live so that they were awarded these terrific five-timer or ten-timer coats and they got to go into this special room and celebrate being a repeated host. Well, that's sort of how I feel about some of the guests that we bring on to this podcast, and Evan is one of those. Uh, I'm going to have to do a special episode at some point in the future to celebrate those people who have had multiple appearances on this podcast. Evan will definitely be one of those who are celebrated, and I appreciate him continuing to come on the podcast to um, give us a little bit of his insight on what's going on in Washington. Evan, how are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, it is sunny here in Arlington, Virginia, which is a, a, a change of the scenery that last week we had an ice storm. So uh, doing much better today. Yeah, this has been a, a heck of a couple of months, heck of a winter so far, though. With that said, it's hard to believe that we are a few days away from March. 
Uh, yeah, and, and that means that it's been uh, just about a year uh, that we've been in this uh, this COVID uh, world. So uh, I see the spring coming. I see the vaccines coming. You know, I I see some positivity. Well, so do I, and I and I love the uh, I love the outlook. So let's stay on that mode of what we see coming. That's such a great segue for today's topic, as we're talking about the uh, Protecting the Right to Organize Act, the Pro Act. Um, I love how they come up with these legislative um, acronyms. But before we start getting into all of that, uh, you've obviously been a frequent guest here of the podcast. So can you remind us what RELA does and a little bit about your role as vice president for workforce? Yeah, uh, well, thank you again for having me. Uh, but uh, for those who uh, have not had the pleasure of hearing me before, uh, uh, Evan Armstrong, vice president of workforce policy at the Retail Industry Leaders Association. Uh, we're a trade association based in D.C., uh, and we represent the largest, most innovative retailers in the country uh, who do business in all jurisdictions, all states, and have some of the largest private sector workforces in the country. That's great. That's great. You do tremendous work, uh, and you are a tremendous resource. And as always, I appreciate you coming on to share a little bit of your time with our listeners. So the PRO Act was introduced in Congress, again, shortly after President Biden's inauguration and would constitute, I think, the most significant labor law reform in more than a half a century. Just by way of some background, has this been percolating in Congress in some form for a while, or is this something that just was created? Yeah, we were talking about all the positivity, and, and, and now we're going to shift gears dramatically and talk about the PRO Act. Um, this, in some form or another, has been percolating for the last several years. Um, and the PRO Act, for those who don't know, is, is really a, a laundry list of favored labor policies uh, all in one bill. So all these policies are uh, not, I mean, most of the policies you've heard of before individually, but it's, it's really kind of a newish package that they're putting together to try to move them all uh, under the PRO Act name. And so why now? Why do you think this is gaining steam now as opposed to in prior forms and uh, in prior periods, uh, other than the obvious that we had a Republican uh, in the White House and, and largely controlling Congress? So they, they passed the PRO Act um, in early 2020 in the last Congress uh, in the House. Um, so it was a priority in the last Congress, and uh, it will certainly be even greater of a priority now that the Democrats have the White House with uh, President Joe Biden and um, a majority, albeit a slim majority, in the Senate. Uh, so they uh, feel much more emboldened uh, to move priorities like the PRO Act. Um, and, and President Biden has said uh, that he wants to be uh, the, the friendliest president for labor, uh, the biggest champion of labor, uh, you know, uh, that has been since, uh, you know, FDR. Um, so I think that uh, there is quite a bit of momentum and, uh, and enthusiasm for things like the PRO Act. Uh, and I think we're going to see quite a bit of activity, both on the regulatory side, but also in Congress. Uh, and so before we get into some of the actual components of the PRO Act, what has been the reaction of businesses and employers to this? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty uniform and aggressive opposition uh, by almost every business entity or uh, industry group that you can think of um, because of the uh, comprehensive and, and, and just sort of expansive scope of the PRO Act. It really does encompass all types of businesses, big and small in every industry, union and non-union. Uh, so there is quite a bit of opposition to the bill. 
Um, and I uh, work uh, with a coalition called CDW, the Coalition for a Democratic Workplace, uh, which is uh, really the primary vehicle for trades like RELA and hotels, restaurants, uh, manufacturers to fight issues like the PRO Act. Yeah, as you said, this is quite comprehensive in terms of the subject matter that it's attempting to cover all at once, which uh, is really something that stands out here as opposed to trying to tackle these things separately. Yeah, and, and there's a good and a bad to it being so big and comprehensive. The, the good is that there's more uh, to aim at, uh, there's more to hate, uh, and it brings in more opposition from more corners. Uh, obviously, the bad is, you know, it's one bill that they move all their priorities in, and it makes it difficult to focus, actually, your your uh, aim on a couple of key issues that you think can bring it down. So um, the CDW group and many trades are trying to hone in on certain issues that will be more uh, salient uh, to policymakers and to voters uh, so that either you can prevent a member of Congress from supporting it on the front end or make a member of Congress pay for the vote uh, subsequently in the next election. Um, and CDW did polling last year, and uh, a couple of issues really rose to the top on being the most salient for voters. And one of them was right to work. Uh, the bill uh, repeals uh, all the states who are right to work or repeals those uh, laws. Uh, it provides access to unions for individuals' uh, contact information, so would allow unions more information to go after and, you know, pester to bother to lobby uh, workers who had never assented to their uh, contact information being given to unions. Uh, and, and, and I think third is the ABC test, the independent contractor issue. And those three issues were really the most uh, pressing last year. And I think they'll probably be at the top of the list uh, in this debate as well. Let's go through, let's give a little bit of a high-level summary on uh, the, the primary components of the PRO Act, and we'll let the, all of the listeners decide how they feel about it and uh, whether this is something that they want to get involved in, uh, either pro or against. You started off by talking about the state right-to-work laws. What's, what's the PRO Act attempting to do here in that area? I mean, it would essentially repeal the effect of right-to-work laws by uh, disallowing individuals from you know, it would basically force individuals to pay union dues uh, rather than having the choice, right? Obviously, the key there in right to work is that an individual may have a unionized uh, uh, company that they work for, but they can choose to opt out and not pay the dues. Uh, the unions have traditionally hated those because the dues are their lifeblood and they use those dues uh, in their political activity uh, to get candidates uh, that they support. Um, so it's a very uh, big issue for unions, and, and there's a split uh, in the union of states who are right to work and states that are not. Um, obviously, the states have passed those uh, measures individually, and this bill is a federal law that would repeal those efforts, which uh, my guess is is going to be fairly unpopular in states like South Carolina, in Georgia, in Arizona, and in, uh, in Virginia. That's interesting. We've we've been seeing a lot of press and uh, the organizing that's going on down in Alabama. Yeah, and I think that's got a lot of people's attention because Alabama is obviously a right to work state. And interestingly, the organize, union organizers are telling uh, individuals, hey, it's OK. You don't have to pay dues because Alabama is a right to work state. 
Um, but the workers probably don't know that the union is, uh, on this, in the other hand, supporting legislation that would repeal right to work in Alabama. So uh, it'll be an interesting uh, campaign that plays out over the next several weeks. That's in the sort of the mail ballot stage there. Uh, but because it's Amazon, I think it's caught a lot of people's attention who follow these issues. So it certainly has gotten press. Uh, the other one you mentioned, the ABC test, also getting a tremendous amount of press uh, and focus, uh, not just currently, but uh, certainly over the past year and change when we're talking about independent contractor status. What is the PRO Act attempting to do there? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the PRO Act, to its core, is attempting to shift the balance of power towards organized labor at the expense of basically everybody else, workers, businesses, and the economy. Um, the organized labor does not like independent contractors because they are not unionizable, right? So the, the, the more that they can classify individuals as employees, the bigger population that they have to organize. Um, so the ABC test is a priority for organized labor. It was a priority in California uh, in pushing AB5. And I do think there, the reason why this issue comes up more and more is because the more individuals learn about the ABC test or AB5 type, type legislation, the more unpopular it becomes. We saw Prop 22, uh, you know, sort of overturn quite a bit of AB5 in California recently. Um, and we think based on the polling that we've done is that independent contractor work is popular. People don't want it to be messed with. And so I think that line of attack on the PRO Act will be pretty prevalent. And so somewhat related uh, is the joint employer issue. What, uh, what, is, uh, what are the unions and those in favor of the PRO Act looking to accomplish there? Well, again, it's, uh, the core of it is about control um, and about being able to unionize more individuals at larger businesses. So if you think about a retail supply chain, uh, or any major retailer that does has interactions with other businesses or contractors or suppliers, you have to interact uh, with them and you have to have certain procedures, guidelines, uh, so that uh, A, the, everybody knows what their roles and duties and obligations are, and B, uh, that there's safety. Um, and the, the unions want to define joint employer so uh, broadly that if you have any interaction or any indirect control over uh, employees of another business, that those could be considered your employees as well. And if that's the case, then a union can not only organize a supplier of a retailer, but the large retailer as well. Um, obviously, a position that RELA has strongly opposed uh, we opposed it when uh, the Obama administration attempted to uh, apply a broad joint employer standard, uh, and we've supported the Trump administration's, uh, both the DOL and the NLRB, uh, joint employer standards that uh, more uh, thoughtfully define joint employer that recognize uh, modern business uh, operations and transactions. So um, it's an issue that we're certainly tracking and is very um, important in terms of uh, our, re our RELA retailer supply chains. And as we're going through these issues and talking about what the PRO Act uh, is proposing, uh, I know many listeners are thinking to themselves, oh, okay, th what is the likelihood that this is going to get passed? Uh, where are we procedurally? I am going to tease that question and leave that hanging for the moment and continue to, to tick through some of these other components of the PRO Act. Uh, but I promise I will get to that question and ask you that question at the end. Um, some other issues 
that I know are addressed here and that are certainly on people's minds, mandatory arbitration agreements. Uh, that has been uh, the bane of a lot of people's existence when it comes to those who want to get rid of them and not have them uh, be permitted. Where's the PRO Act for, uh, falling on that issue? So the PRO Act would essentially repeal uh, or overturn uh, the Epic Systems uh, decision that the Supreme Court uh, issued, I think, in 2019. Um, you know, I would imagine most business interests were supportive of the Epic, System, Epic Systems ruling uh, by the Supreme Court. Um, our Retail Litigation Center, which is a sister organization of RELA, was very involved in the amicus process. Um, so I think that the general counsels uh, who are listening are probably thinking that issue is top of mind for them uh, because it's such a crucial uh, component of minimizing your legal liability, right? I mean, that's a, it, it's a huge issue for a large uh, organization. So um, that one is probably going to be talked about quite a bit, but that's more of a, a legal inside baseball uh, issue rather than the more, I think, politically hot issues like ABC test or employee privacy um, and that's really why we define those issues that way, because when you go to the Hill, you have to have quick talking points and you have to hit the issues that are really going to resonate. No question. And uh, what's really critical about the mandatory arbitration, obviously, is, you know, you have some uh, organizations that favor arbitration and like to get certain kinds of disputes out of court. But the, re the thing that really prompted those was the class action waiver issue. And so being able to not only have a mandatory arbitration agreement, but now get rid of this whole class action vehicle, whereas you can't really do that in the course of uh, a court proceeding. Uh, only, you can only do it in the course of an arbitration agreement to prohibit mandatory arbitration agreements will essentially be, as you said before, throwing out this uh, class action waiver as a device to try to limit mass exposure. Yep, absolutely. And, it, and, it's, and it's really... Um, and it's a really huge issue that uh, is, you know, from a dollars and cents exposure uh, could be the most uh, damaging. Um, and that's why I think the general counsels probably think about it more than anybody else. Yep. So let's go back to uh, a couple of union specific issues. Again, the secondary boycott uh, issue. Um, Section 303, for those who want to get technical, of the 1947 Taft-Hartley amendments to the NLRA, uh, banned so-called secondary boycotts that unions were engaging in against neutral business parties of a company that a union is attempting to organize. Uh, the PRO Act is also proposing some changes to that section. Wh wh where's, uh, where are they trying to go with that? Oh, this is my favorite issue, but uh, one that's this probably- This one's your favorite issue? This, this, this is my favorite issue because it, it is probably the most, uh, one of the, 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 the toughest things for, for retail supply chains because um, Taft-Hartley was passed partly uh, due to union malfeasance and really damaging, disruptive uh, activities like secondary boycotts and picketing that- disrupted the flow of commerce throughout the, the economy. And there are specific examples where produce can't get delivered to grocery stores because they're picketing a grocery store or picketing the delivery suppliers, right? And the Congress, over a presidential veto, passed half-heartedly prohibiting these activities because they were so worried about the power unions had to disrupt the flow of commerce and really prevent American families from getting things like milk, 
there's a story about millions of dollars of milk being spoiled because uh, the union picketing would block suppliers from delivering. From a retail standpoint, this is hugely problematic because our entire business model is getting goods uh, across the economy, across the country, from suppliers to uh, stores or from suppliers to distribution centers to houses. And we need to have that free flowing commerce uh, to make sure that consumers can get what they need. It's my favorite issue, but it's one of the most difficult issues to explain. Uh, and certainly because it's been, uh, these activities have been prohibited since the 40s, I don't really have a great example from last week uh, to share with folks. So it's one of those pet issues that I'm really taking the mantle on because our, our industry cares about it. And I'm really trying to educate uh, as many policymakers about it because you know, I think this point is important and I don't think it's overstated. You know, we've seen the power that unions can have at the West Coast ports to shut down the entire economy. Think about that kind of power across the rest of the country. And I think the second example that's even more uh, prevalent today is in public sector unions, like the teachers unions are, are actually holding up uh, the opening of schools. And the type of power that private sector unions would get under the PRO Act would match that type of control. So I know that this is an issue that is uh, very um, controversial, but I know that it affects a lot of Americans. And I think that's the kind of power that the PRO Act is attempting to give organized labor. And it's the type of power that Congress really affirmatively said they should not have in the 1940s. So again, sorry, it's my favorite issue. I got on my soapbox a little bit, but it, you know, it's something that we're, we're really concerned about and, and, and looking forward to talking with policymakers more about. Yeah, you don't seem passionate at all about this. <laughs> um, that, that doesn't come out. Uh, so this really is, as you've been saying with so many of these other issues, you know, this issue about secondary boycotts really is about power and in a sense, shifting points of leverage uh, perhaps from the organization, from the employer to the employees and the unions. Yeah, and, and I really don't even think it's the, 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 the shifting power from the employer. I think it's shifting power over the entire economy. Um, and it affects consumers, employers, and workers really negatively. Um, and so I, I really try to drive that point home that it's not power over employers in so much as that, that the power to disrupt the flow of commerce, the flow of goods, and the you know making it's it's a power play to get what they want in a really coercive abusive way. Quickie elections, uh, I know the pro act is speaking to that. What uh, where is it coming down on that issue? Yeah, I mean this it, it is simply codifies the ambush uh, election rules from the Obama era. I mean a lot of what the pro act does is is go back to the codification of you know the Browning-Ferris Joint Employer Standard, uh, micro-unit standard from specialty health care and, and the ambush election uh, regulations. So, um, you know, a lot of it is, I'm sure your listeners are aware of those regs from the Obama era. And I think the important thing to note is those issues will probably come back in different forms other than the PRO Act. The PRO Act is kind of the hot uh, item, but, you know, once the NLRB has a Democratic majority again later this year, um, they will start to overturn cases or bring, you know, the, the Obama era precedents back. You know, the Department of Labor has already signaled that they are going to go a different direction on, on joint employer. Uh, they're likely going to signal a different direction on independent contractors. So 
Um, although the PRO Act is going to get a lot of press and has everything in it, you know, the regulatory environment is going to be as uh, dangerous and as damaging. And we have to make sure we're looking at that as well. I guess the last uh, piece of this that I wanted to highlight as well, and this goes to your point you've been making throughout uh, about how uh, the unions and pro-labor are trying to expand uh, the scope of protections here under the labor law. Uh, the PRO Act is seeking to expand the definition of employee and who would be a covered employee and, in fact, limit uh, the scope of who would be considered a supervisor. Right. Yep. Again, uh, it's it's nothing other than trying to increase the pool of individuals who would uh, be able to be unionized and pay dues. Um, and, and that's really it. It's expanding uh, populations and expanding the businesses that they can reach uh, and expanding the tools that they have at their disposal to extract uh, what they want uh, out of employers. So here's the million dollar question that I teased a few minutes ago. Uh, where does this go now procedurally in Congress? And what do you think the likelihood of passage and ultimate enactment is? I know we are right up to date with, with an update on uh, where things may be procedurally that you want to announce here, right on <laughs> employment one now. Um, yeah. based on what you've been hearing. But so seriously, where, where are things now procedurally and, and what do you think the likelihood is that this is going to actually become law? Yeah, so it was good timing or bad timing. I'm not sure how you look at it, but uh, 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 Congresswoman, uh, Congressman Steny Hoyer, uh, who's second in the House uh, for the Democrats, uh, did announce today that the PRO Act will be on the House floor the week of March 8th. Um, we had heard that the bill was coming quickly because there's a, a little known rule that the House passed at the beginning of this Congress that said if they passed a bill last Congress, they can expedite its process to the floor uh, in the first 100 days of the Congress. So they are rushing to get as many things done by April 1st as they can, the PRO Act being one of them. They also probably want to minimize their exposure on the PRO Act because they do have folks in their conference that don't like it, even though they're going to ultimately vote for it uh, because they don't want the hassle from organized labor. So the House will likely pass the PRO Act the week of March 8th. Uh, they'll probably pass it with a number like 222, 224, which is about what they passed at last Congress. But the goal for CDW and what we're mobilizing resources and energy around is that they're going to take that vote, but we're going to make them remember the vote uh, for the rest of the Congress and going into next year. Um, so we'll be putting a lot of pressure uh, on those House members and also keeping our eye on the Senate, which we are not certain is going to bring up the bill because, again, they have a slight majority. Uh, and I don't think that they have uni uni unanimity in their conference about the PRO Act. So it'll be a House uh, action now. Uh, I think unlikely the Senate will bring, bring it up. So unlikely it will be put into law this Congress. But the thing to remember as well is that the, the unions are playing a long game here. They're getting it passed in the House. They're getting people on the record. And after 2022 elections, the Senate could look a lot more favorable. Um, there's a lot of open seats uh, in North Carolina, in Pennsylvania, potentially Iowa, Wisconsin, and the Democrats could be poised to pick up several seats, which could make the PRO Act um, somewhat more viable to pass the Senate. Uh, the other component to remember over the next two to four years is whether the Democrats will get rid of the filibuster. Um, if they get rid of the filibuster, which is the 60 vote threshold to pass major legislation, um, they, it will be more likely the PRO Act will pass with 51. Um, so I think 
long answer, but house pass now, but we have to keep our eye on it over the next two to four years to see how it really will shake out. But organized labor is going to play the long game here. Uh, so uh, folks like, you know, the RELA and CDW and other industries are going to keep uh, vigilant on it and main- make, maintain pressure uh, on these issues. And it's interesting, and this is why it's so important not just to uh, think about and react to legislation that has been enacted, but to think about things like this, where it's a little bit in the infant stage, maybe not so much infant stage, but we're not necessarily close to it being passed. But these are such critical issues that impact so many around the country, businesses uh, and employees, uh, that it's critical that people have a sense of what's going on and get involved if they want to get involved. Yeah, and and if anybody listening is is interested to get more involved, um, you know, I I am the co-chair of the CDW steering committee, heading up media efforts uh, on the Pro Act. Um, so, like I said, we're, we're mobilizing efforts. Um, you know, always happy to have um, you know new allies, uh, and always happy to chat. So, um, my email is evan.armstrong at rela.org, and um, you know, always happy to chat on this. Evan.armstrong at rila.org. That those is correct. who want to reach out directly. That's great. Is there a chance, and, and without putting you on the spot, but putting you on the spot, is there a chance that um, this could be broken up into different uh, bills, different pieces of legislation, if it doesn't ultimately succeed in this current comprehensive form? Well, I can tell you that, uh, and this is also coming from some old hats in the management bar, uh, the unions have never been strategic enough to make things more palatable to get into law. Uh, they either have they have a kind of take it or leave it uh, approach to the legislation, which helps our efforts uh, because there are members of Congress who uh, don't appreciate that approach and that if the the bill was amended in certain ways or some certain provisions were taken out, um, I think it would have a better shot. Um, but they have not indicated that there's going to be any compromise on this bill. Chairman Bobby Scott of the Ed and Labor Committee uh, and Chairman Chairwoman Patty Murray have not indicated any compromise here, so we're not expecting any. Well, so Evan Armstrong, as always, you've been unbelievably informative. This is uh, such an important time when it comes to legislation and politics in Washington, and so many things uh, are and have the potential to impact businesses around the country so significantly. Any last takeaways uh, that we should leave the listeners when it comes to the PRO Act or what we might be watching for in Washington? No, I, I think just, uh, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, you're talking with your um, your labor folks uh, internally at your businesses, making sure that they are getting the information, you know, from COSIN or, you know, happy to always give information from CDW. We want to make sure that everybody is aware of this bill. Um, and uh, although it's not going to be into law in the next couple of years, uh, it's important for us to continue to stay vigilant on it. So I think, you know, make sure you're getting the information on it and learning how it could uh, impact your business. That is great advice. As always, Evan Armstrong, Vice President of Workforce for the Retail Industry Leaders Association. Thank you, as always, for joining us. And we will bring you back as these issues continue to progress through Washington. I look forward to it. Thanks, Mike. I hope that was useful for you and informative. Again, if you or your organization are interested in getting involved, reach out to Evan directly. You could reach out to me as well here at Cozen O'Connor. Otherwise, continue to keep this on the radar. and We will continue to update you as developments occur with the Federal PRO Act. Appreciate you listening as always. I hope you, your families, and your colleagues are staying safe and healthy. 
We are about a year into this thing. It's hard to believe, but uh, it's been just about a year. Hopefully there is a light at the end of this tunnel, and hopefully we'll see that sooner than later. Until the next time, I hope all of your labor is productive.